Today on CityCast Pittsburgh, it's the 15th anniversary of the new Pittsburgh Marathon. A species that was nearly wiped out a century ago is now a huge tourism draw north of the city, and we're marking one very special day for someone on the squad. It's May 5th, the Friday News Roundup. I'm Megan Harris, and here's what Pittsburgh's talking about. I'm with CityCast's Mallory Falk. Hey, Mallory. Hello. And newsletter editor Francesca DeBecco. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Y'all, I am so excited for Marathon Weekend. That makes one of us. (laughs) (laughs) Francesca, what about you? I'm not really... Sorry. Fine. Mallory, are you on the route or something? Because, like, I get why Francesca's lukewarm, but I don't know why you hate it so much. (laughs) I don't actually hate it. It's just not something that I get super excited about. I'm a couple blocks off the route, so I am expecting to be kind of closed in for a little bit this weekend. Yeah, yeah. Um, Francesca, I know you're not on the route anymore. Um, Have you ever watched the marathon or gone to one of the parties or anything? Honestly, no. Um, It's not my type of parade, I guess you could say. (laughs) Um, It's a good way to uh, compare it, yeah. (laughs) But Megan, uh, what do you love so much about about the marathon? Well, first of all, I just, I love the fitness. I love the fitness. Um, But also it affects so many people in our city. Like, I mean, if you think about it this way, it's like the biggest and most sprawling party we have all year long. Um, Yeah, what? And it has to revolve around running. That's what bumps (laughs) me out. (laughs) Because it's 26 miles. Um, It's over 14 neighborhoods, like 35,000 participants this year. Um, That's runners, walkers, and cyclists. Cyclists are for the folks of different abilities that want to participate, um, and typically like 300,000 spectators over all those races. Is that not like the entire city of Pittsburgh population? (laughs) (laughs) By comparison, yes. Um, Although, of course, it's not like every city dweller that does it. It's a ton of -of out-of-towners. It's the suburbanites flooding in. Um, But yeah, I think it's super cool. So is this considered like a good course, a good race, something that people would want to travel in from other spots to do? Kind of depends on your metric for that. Um, and of course, here, the course changes every year. That's sort of unique to Pittsburgh. Not every city does that. Why Why does it change? Um, because something here, you'll be shocked to hear this, is always under construction. <laughs> oh, course. yeah, right. I should have assumed. <laughs> um, there's some really interesting rules around it. I got to sit on a planning meeting several years ago, um, but you can't block two sister bridges, for example, um, not even for a few hours. You can't block a bus route. You can't cut off EMS access. And you, of course, have to have official certification from the running organizations to make sure that the course is exactly 26.2 miles from beginning to end. Because we're a Boston qualifier now, which is super cool, but it means that we cannot screw anything up, like down to the millimeter. Wow. That is so much intricate planning. Megan, I'm going to call you out. You did a story (laughs) for WESA that talks about how they do that math. It was really cute. I don't know if they still do it that way, but at the time I thought it was just so neat. There's literally one guy on the team who rode his bike directly into traffic, breaking a ton of laws, cutting every corner the entire route (laughs) multiple times, um, including really dangerous spots like the West End Bridge. Um, That little crew of people literally spends months, sometimes years, getting every detail exactly right for people. 
Wow. Okay. I So Megan, you're nerding out. I need you to explain to me, like, I understand why somebody would want to run a marathon. It's a desire I've always wished I have, but I just don't. I get how if you have someone important in your life running, that it's really fun to go out and cheer for them. But the piece I don't understand is if you really have no connection to it, why would someone want to watch? You know, I'm thinking about all the time I spent in New Orleans where there were parades, where when you went out, there were brass bands playing, you wore an elaborate costume, there was glitter, there was sequins, everyone was participating. And this just seems like you go stand on the sidelines and watch people in spandex. I mean, kind of, but they have sequins, Mallory. They have glitter. Uh-huh. <laughs> there is, if it's we're dr- not enough. <laughs> if we're comparing to New Orleans, though, there is a lot less booze. <laughs> um, some parties definitely believe strongly in having a solid buzz before the starting gun. There will be bands like out there blasting or under things. Like, it's just really cool to see every part of Pittsburgh come together in these different ways, cheering for complete mm. strangers to do a really like, like on its face, like sort of like weird challenge. Like who needs to run that long? But we do. Humans are weird. Where do all these people go after? I imagine they're hungry. <laughs> I mean, that's the idea. Uh, the whole race, no matter what you run, ends at the point and people disperse from there. Um, but uh, Visit Pittsburgh estimates a downtown economic impact of over $100 million. Wow. Um, that's, over a, that's over a big stretch of time. I don't, that's not single year, but still like that's, that's a lot of money that comes yeah. into our city because of this. Okay, so you've sold me on this a little bit. I'm interested to see how my new neighborhood turns out for the marathon. Maybe if there's a big celebration, I'll join in. Um, But if you aren't running or partying and you are headed downtown, is there anything to uh, engage with? Yeah, there's an expo, actually. Um, So it's like... I'm I'm going to wager like several dozen vendors um, and it's free to go to at the convention center. So if you are interested in new running socks or trying some of the gummy gels or just want to wander around with your fellow Pittsburghers and look at like somewhat discounted exercise gear or like funny takes on Pittsburgh sayings on T-shirts, um, they have a ton of stuff that you can dig into there and a lot of um, specials sometimes in the cultural district for people that show their medal or their race bib on race day. And if you hate all of this, don't yeah. forget to check the route because you can get trapped. Yeah, it just depends on your neighborhood. Um, definitely look because all of that stuff is required to be posted. It would already be up today. So make sure if you want to be avoid everything, you either stay in bed and have supplies at home or you get the heck out of Dodge very early in the morning. We'll have the <laughs> race uh, information posted in our show notes. The show today is brought to you by an incredible local resource, AIDS Free Pittsburgh, and their pledge to end the HIV AIDS epidemic in Allegheny County by 2030. If that is a cause that is close to your heart, make sure you're around for their biggest event of the summer, the sixth annual Too Hot for July. It is a party, but it is also a chance to get confidential HIV and STI testing for free, plus info on the incredible preventative medicines we have now to keep yins happy, healthy, and feeling your most confident out on the town. So come on out to Allegheny Commons East Park on Thursday, May 30th. 
Yes, July is in the name, but the event is in May. Don't get confused. May 30th from 4 to 10 p.m. There will be DJ sets, a health fair and marketplace, a ballroom inspired dance battle, cash bar, food trucks, and more. Plus a performance by Tony Award winner Alex Newell, aka Unique from Glee. This is all thanks to True Tea Pittsburgh and so many folks doing the good work out here in the community. So do not miss out. Learn more at TooHotForJuly.com. Well, I want to talk about something Francesca wrote in this week's newsletter. There's some animal conservation that's happening within driving distance of Pittsburgh, and it sounds like a lot of people are really into it. I I can get a little bit more behind checking out animals than checking out runners. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, the Pennsylvania elk are really living their best lives right now. I love that they all live in Elk County. It really makes me wonder which came first, the county name or the animal. (laughs) I mean, I'd imagine the animal. Uh, The county was named for the eastern elk, which are extinct now. Megan, you know all about this. I do. I went for a weekend a few years ago with family. And of course, I'm an idiot and I turned it into a story. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it's kind of sad, actually. Hunters killed off all the eastern elk by like the mid 19th century, like 1860-ish or something. Um, And at the beginning of the 20th century, I think it was 1913, conservationists decided to try to restore the herd using Rocky Mountain elk. Um, But it was messy. Did they all just wander off? (laughs) Sort Sort of. of, Yeah. (laughs) They were just dumped off of trains and ate up crops from nearby farmers. (laughs) Then they tried to introduce um, hunting, but too many got killed and it just didn't really go well for a long time. Yeah, until the late 90s, um, the state designated some fields and planted like really good food crops for the elk. And they regulated a very expensive lottery system for hunting. Yeah, they had uh, 300 in 1997. And like 1,400 today. Yeah, there's been a lot of growth. And right now, and especially towards the end of May and beginning of June, you can see the babies. Baby elk? Yes, the calves. Boys are bulls and the lady elk are cows. I was really confused until I realized this. <laughs> uh, yeah, thousands of people go to Benazette, Pennsylvania, or Elk County, um, to see all those babies in the spring and the mating in the fall. Um, high season, I guess, is towards the end of the month, like Francesca said. But since it's such a small town, we thought we'd talk about it now because you need to make reservations now mm-hmm. to be able to see them later. Is there a lot to see there? Uh, really, really, really big animals um, <laughs> <laughs> with enormous antlers making funny noises and fighting sometimes. But there's mm-hmm. more to hear. Megan, you heard them. What's it like? Yeah, let me play it for you. Um, this sounds a little bit more like what I heard around mating season in the fall, but I think you can hear stuff like this all year long. This is from National Geographic on YouTube. <laughs> Um, Francesca, has this convinced you to go check this out? Um, I I mean, I think it'd be a really fun day trip. I've never made it. I've actually never even been to the Allegheny National Forest. I got to get up there sometime. And Francesca shared a bunch of viewing guides and scenic drive maps um, from the state. It's got a bunch of great ideas for ways to spend your time if you're interested in this, including some really handy no-nos. There was one in particular that I could not stop laughing at. Yeah, yeah. It said, do not name elk 
characterizing elk or any wildlife by naming them degrades their wild essence. <laughs> I, it makes sense, but it's still very funnily worded. <laughs> I really don't think it, it doesn't seem that harmful to just kind of privately in your mind know that the elk you've spotted is named Elkina or something. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't seem that way, but if the conservationists hear you say it, they will come for you. They're very serious. <laughs> So last today, um, Francesca, you have a personal story to share. I do. So today, Friday, May 5th, is a really big day for me. I've mentioned it a time or two on the show, um, but when I was 16, I was diagnosed with an inoperable brain tumor. And today marks a whole 10 years since that day flipped my life upside down. A decade I've lived beyond what I thought I'd get. And we're very grateful for every one of those days. Oh, that's so sweet, guys. I mean, honestly, being reflective on this day is really important to me. I'm just so thankful I get to work with you guys and to be able to tell stories in the city that I love. I'm so grateful that I get to connect with my Hey Pittsburgh newsletter readers every day in the inbox. It just means so much to me because, you know, when I was going through this battle at such a pivotal age, you know, when people are figuring out what they want to do with their life and who they want to be. I sort of had to put everything on hold and just focus on surviving each day. But I always wanted to be a writer and a storyteller. And the fact that I get to live this reality today, um, it's just a dream. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and speaking of some of those wishes coming true, there is a story here as well. Francesca, you never cease to bring some news into the story. <laughs> yes, I am going to put a news spin on it. Um, so there is a wild coincidence today that I just love. Um, today is also the anniversary of an organization very near and dear to my heart, Make-A-Wish Greater Pennsylvania in West Virginia. If you aren't familiar, Make-A-Wish grants wishes to children aged two and a half to 18 who are facing critical illnesses. And today they're celebrating 40 years of making life-changing wishes come true. Wow, 40 years. I mean, I've heard about the great things that Make-A-Wish does, um, but I don't actually know how did it all get started? Well, the local chapter began in 1983 when seven-year-old Brian from McKeesport became wish kid number one. His wish was to go to Texas to visit his favorite uncle for one of his cherished piggyback rides. That's so sweet and helpful. <laughs> I know. I know. I love that so much. So with the help of generous folks all over Pittsburgh, they raised enough funds and made arrangements for a trip just in time for his seventh birthday. And Brian was celebrated by the whole community. He got gifts like a birthday pizza party, presents piled on his uncle's front porch, and he even got a key to the city. Wow, that's that's really special. Yeah, so that was 40 years ago, and in that first year, 13 wishes were granted. Uh, but today, the local chapter has made more than 20,500 wishes come true. That's really neat. How do you get chosen to participate? Yeah, so anyone can refer a child, uh, but it's up to their doctor to determine if they qualify. And I feel like... Like, I definitely thought at one point that in order to do Make-A-Wish, you had to um, have a terminal illness, but it turns out that isn't true. Nope. Um, proof is right in front of you. Uh, I was a wish kid myself. 
That's actually one of the greatest misconceptions. Make-A-Wish grants wishes to children living with critical illnesses, and they believe that wishes have the power to transform lives by creating an opportunity for hope and the ability to experience life beyond illness. So I've heard this story before, but I think everyone else should hear it too. Um, I know you had a wish. Will you talk about it a little bit? Yeah, of course. I love sharing this story. Um, So when I was going through radiation treatment, one thing I did to sort of suit up in my armor was wear a different outfit every day. It was something that lifted my spirits and helped me get out of bed for six weeks of treatment. Um, So of course, like every other teenage girl, I (laughs) wanted to be a writer for a fashion magazine. I imagined maybe I'd go to New York City and be an intern for a day. Uh, But the way Make-A-Wish works, they're just magical and it became something beyond what I imagined. Uh, My family and I ended up in California at Los Angeles Fashion Week where I got to cover the week of shows for Glamour Magazine's blog. It was so cool. I got my hair and makeup done, beautiful clothes, and I got to admire all of the looks from the front row. Wow. Like when you look back on that, what do you think the experience meant to you? That that week, it was an experience that really allowed me to dream impossible things. And I know it sounds cliche, but giving someone the ability to simply imagine a future when theirs is so uncertain it's really powerful. And Francesca, you've been involved with the organization um, beyond just, you know, when you were a kid, right? Yeah. A year after my wish was granted, I was in college and I joined Make-A-Wish's marketing and communications team as an intern. I worked there for five years and I got to interview and tell the stories of wish kids just like me. That's really sweet. Um, I, we're going to share a few stories from Francesca's journey in our show notes. Um, but in the meantime, what can people do maybe to help future wishes come true? Yeah. Uh, so the biggest hurdle to granting wishes is actually uh, the referral. Anyone can refer a child diagnosed with a critical illness between the ages of two and a half and 18, um, as long as they've not previously received a wish. Um, You can also become a volunteer. Uh, I sort of think of these people as the fairy godmothers. They're the folks who go into the communities and visit kids and help them on their wish journey. You have to be uh, 21 and complete an application and attend a training. It's really fulfilling and these people are so special. Um, You can also attend a local event. Uh, Make-A-Wish has their... um, signature wine tasting event coming up. It's called Grapevine, and that's on Thursday, May 18th, um, downtown at Revel and Roost. Tickets are $100, and they can be purchased at grapevine.givesmart.com. You can also make a donation. Uh, They're inviting the community to donate $40 to celebrate 40 years of wish granting today at wish.org slash greater P-A-W-V slash 40 years of wishes. Thanks for sharing all that, Francesca. Yeah, thanks for giving me the space to share such a personal story and talk about this organization that means a lot to me. It's um, They do amazing work. Um, and if you want to see a little more, you can actually check me out on, <laughs> on KDKA uh, CBS News today. I'll be on Heather Abraham's new show called Talk Pittsburgh at 3 o'clock. Uh, so tune in if you, if you feel like it. and happy 10 years thank you yeah we're glad you're here thank you guys glad to be here 
that's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. Our music is by Benji. Mallory Falk is our lead producer. Elizabeth Kama and Maria Carter help make the show this week. Francesca DeBecco writes our newsletter. And I am your host, Megan Harris. We'll be back on Monday with more news from around the city. We hope you have a very happy Cinco de Mayo for all those who celebrate. Have a great weekend, everyone. Stop touching all my like <laughs> movements. <laughs>